0: You're listening to the weekly teaching podcast of Willamette Christian Church in Westland, Oregon. We hope that what you hear today inspires you to laugh, question, think, and grow. If you'd like to connect with us even further, hit us up online at willamette.cc or shoot
1: us a direct message on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. Well, we are in this series all month long, and we're kind of uh, capping it off today uh, with, with a bang with the series that we've been calling um, uh, A Door. And we've sang about it. We're talking about it. And, and the big idea is that the Christmas story is a story about people from all different contexts, all different childhoods, all different backgrounds, all different cultures. And in all of that variety, every single person was invited to come and encounter and experience God. And the story of Christmas, the Christmas story with so many different people who were invited, that was true then. And it's true now that that no matter who you are, you are invited. And so all month long, we've been putting it this way, come from wherever you are in whatever condition that you are in to encounter God and participate in the work that God is doing. Come from wherever you are. And so this is my prayer for you, that no matter who you are, no matter how you ended up in this room for this service, maybe you couldn't wait. It's been circled on your calendar. You couldn't wait to come. Or, or you're just back for the holidays with the family, and you know, you were told that you were coming to the 4 o'clock service, and, and you're going along with it. No matter who you are, you are invited by God. The story of Christmas should be absolutely and deeply personal for each and every one of us. And so my prayer is that you would encounter God like that. Maybe Maybe the Christmas service, the candlelight service, it's just tradition. You enjoy it, but it's just tradition. And you would say, Brian, if I'm honest, I'm in church, but I'm not really, really close to God. Well, that invitation is still for you. Maybe you're here tonight and you're a little bit different. And you would say, Brian, if I'm honest, this year... 2022 was way harder than 2020, way harder than 2021. There, there was a diagnosis that came this year or a, or a, or a left turn that you were not experiencing th- uh, previously that you experienced this year. And you'd say, Brian, it's harder than the pandemic. And, and that's kind of true for me. 2020, we kind of muscled through it. 2021, you know, we kind of uh, uh, were getting back our groove. And 2022, we were like, this is the year. And then like 2022 happened and we're like, really? Are you serious right now? Now, that, that's that's how it is for a lot of us. But again, if that's you, everyone is invited no matter who you are. And, and this is what we know, that this room is full of all different people. Yes, culturally. Yes, uh, maybe from your history or your background. But we have people here that have different cultures, different childhoods, different traditions, all different. And the Christmas story is that no matter who you are, You are invited to encounter God in a very deeply personal way. And we know this, too, about so many people in the room that we have different Christmas traditions, especially when it comes to food, especially when it comes to the 4 o'clock service. Because many of us, including myself, this is how you know the service won't go long today, because I'm eating after this service, okay? And I'm looking forward to it. And I bet we have all these different traditions or what we're looking forward to eating in the next 24 hours. In fact, turn to your friend or your neighbor and tell them what you're looking forward to eating eating in the next 24 hours. Ready, set, go. Just go ahead. Tell, tell somebody. Yep. Uh Uh-huh. Ooh. Okay. 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 Yep. All right. All right. Okay. You know, some of you, you were kind of looking at me like this, you know, to start off the service. As soon as we started talking about food, you were smiling, you were giggling, you're all ready for it. I I get it. But again, my guess is that we have a a variety of traditions represented here. And some of you are going to go home tonight or tomorrow, and you're going to participate in what we would call the classic American traditional uh, Christmas dinner. And and, uh, again, if you're going to do that, more power to you. I'm just going to be honest with you. Again, no judgment here, but like, I am not a fan of the traditional American Christmas dinner. And you might be thinking, Brian, are you talking about turkey? Are you talking about ham? Well, the actual traditional American Christmas dinner is roasted goose. Okay. Roasted goose. Again, I I don't know, like if if goose is your jam and you're like, I love goose. Like, cool. Um, I don't know anyone that like wakes up in the morning and they're like, man, I hope goose is for dinner tonight. Right? Like, like, no thanks. Even like a restaurant like Arby's, you know, Arby's, we have the meats, right? Not even Arby's offers goose. Okay. And they have all the meats. But again, you might be like, I'm offended. I'm sorry. I apologize. This just isn't my jam because it looks good enough to try, but then you try it and you're deeply disappointed. And the American classics are famous for kind of tricking people, you know, like, like Fruitcake, okay? Fruitcake is, it is the Trojan horse of Christmas foods. Come on, somebody. Now, kids, kids, let me just talk to the kids for a minute. Listen, you're going to thank me later. This looks tasty. You're going to want to try it. Do not go down the path that you, your parents, and myself have gone down, because it says fruit and cake, but check this out. There's no fruit and there's no cake, okay? It is not, it isn't fruity or cakey. It's like waxy and grainy, okay? Again, this is just my opinion. Somebody's like, oh man, I love that stuff. You can have it all, okay? No problem. Uh, but then there are, the, okay, so a lot of these are phasing out. I don't know too many people that are pumped about this. Other like classics are also kind of phasing out. I'm kind of glad. Like roasted chestnuts, right? Roasted chestnuts. Um, here's the deal. Like I like singing about chestnuts roasted on an open fire. I'll it. I don't want to eat it. In fact, again, I'm just making some bold statements tonight. I would say that chestnuts are the worst nuts, okay? Just the worst nuts. Here's why, here's my claim to knowing that chestnuts are the worst nuts, because even in a bag of mixed nuts, chestnuts aren't even invited to that party. You won't find it. You will not find chestnuts. They're like, no, man, you're staying home tonight. We're gonna party up with the other nuts. Like, no, chestnuts are not okay. So again, sing about it all you want. I, don't, I wouldn't suggest um, uh, eating it. So there are other cultures who have traditional Christmas dinners that perhaps is your culture, perhaps your tradition, and I'm all for it. I'm about to tell you about some other cultural traditional Christmas meals that I am all about. First of all, it is this. Come on, Mexico is famous for their Christmas tamales. Can I get an amen from somebody? That is what I'm talking about. In fact, tonight, Friends, the Becker household is not having goose, it's not having turkey, and it's not having ham. May gusta hot tamale, Christmas tamales. I love it. We're having tamales tonight. I can't wait. I love it. I love it. Love it. But there's even more good food. Perhaps you have an African Christmas tradition, and you have, like Joel, this, this seasonal rice with roasted chicken, and this, this savory Nigerian rice. Again, so much better, in my opinion, than roasted goose. Maybe this is your tradition. Or, if you're from the Philippines, at Christmas, they often and serve this pork, and it is so good. Jen, this is next year. Let's do this next year. Uh, uh, Lechon with with various spices. Again, I'm just saying, yes, let's let's broaden our horizons, people. Uh, If you are from uh, India, many people have savory lamb biryani. And this is this rice with saffron and mixed with yogurt and lamb. I've had a version of this. It is so good, so good. I'm telling you, different people, different traditions, same. Christmas meal, uh, but for different families. Let's do two more. Uh, If you have a Korean tradition, many Koreans at Christmas time, or especially uh, New Year, have this rice cake soup. It's this white rice known as takgu, and they they eat it at Christmas time, or especially New Year, because the white uh, soup represents kind of a new slate or a new beginning. Again, in my opinion, way better than roasted goose, but the last one that we're gonna, this was the biggest surprise for me. I had no idea. Maybe you knew this, but the The biggest surprise and one that I am up for in the future for Christmas meal comes from Japan because in Japan on Christmas Eve, the Japanese people will spend $63 million on, wait for it, Kentucky fried chicken. Who oh, no. knew? I did not know this. Did you know this? I did not know this. I, like someone said, I'm like, you're lying. And they're like, I'm not lying. I looked it up. Google it. It's, it's a phenomenon. On December 23rd, families will line up like Black Friday or like Black Friday used to be. Lines down the street waiting to get the Colonel Sanders finger licking good chicken. Again, I would rather have sushi, but whatever, whatever. Like I'm also down with some Kentucky fried chicken. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. No matter who you are, No matter what your family tradition is, no matter where you find yourself, we all have different backgrounds, childhoods, and traditions, but we're all invited. And the Christmas story reminds us that we're all invited. So let's say this again. Come from wherever you are in whatever condition that you're in, to encounter God and participate in the work that God is doing. Whether it was the majestic magi from another culture or the the shepherds on the fringe of society or meek and, and, and mild Mary who is unseen and unknown, God invited everybody to participate and encounter Him. And I love that the scriptures say that people from every nation, tribe, and tongue are invited and will experience the goodness and splendor of God. But what I want to talk to you about tonight is not just culturally and not just kind of from a big picture, but everybody is invited, not just geographically or culturally, but everybody is invited personally, internally, wherever you are, whatever condition you find yourself in, you are invited. The story of Christmas is a massive worshipful celebration because God came to us to be with us wherever we are. And I'm going to read part of the Christmas story a little bit out of the book of John and a little bit out of the book of Matthew. And John is a little different from what we're used to because Matthew and Luke, they would tell the story of Christmas. But John, John wrote a poem, if you will, about the coming of God to, to be with us. It's full of imagery describing Jesus in a very poetic sense. I want to start there as we look at this picture of what God has done and what he's invited us into. John chapter 1, verse 1 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and he was with God in the beginning. In the beginning, now the original people that would hear this message, this letter, this gospel written to them would be Jewish people. And the Jewish people hearing this phrase, in the beginning, would instantly recognize that same phrase from Genesis chapter 1 that says, In the beginning God created and John is making this bold declaration saying in the beginning where God created, well, Jesus represented here in this imagery as the word. Jesus was in the beginning and this is a new beginning and the magnitude of creation is now being matched with a magnitude of God fulfilling his plans and purpose. Jesus was always part of God's plan even in the beginning to fulfill his plans and purposes. In other words, this is a really, really, Really big deal, and he continues in verse three, and he says this: Through him all things were made; without him nothing was made that has been made, and in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Again, John is describing Jesus to us. It's not just a, a celebration or a tradition that we kind of honor and and, and uh, observe at Christmas time. This is making the magnitude of Jesus. Through him, all things were made. In him is where we find life, and the life is the light of all mankind. Jesus came for whatever darkness you find yourself in. Jesus is here to bring light to the world, every nation, tribe, and tongue. No matter what kind of darkness you find yourself in, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but dark is dark. Have you ever notice that you go in a dark room, you can't see anything? It doesn't matter what's in that room. Dark is dark. In fact, C.S. Lewis, the famous author, says this that everything looks the same in the dark, no matter what darkness it is. But Jesus came. Jesus came to bring light and life, something different from what everything else was. Jesus is the greatest participant in what God has invited us to experience. Verse five, it continues, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. This is one of the most hopeful verses that we can read as we internalize this because no matter what darkness you're in, There is no darkness that has overcome the light that Jesus wants to be in our lives. Now, it is true that God doesn't remove us from the darkness. We would like that. Can I get an amen from somebody out there, right? Like, God, where's the easy button, right? Like, where's the button where I can say, Lord, make my kids sleep through the night. Amen, Jesus. Come on, Lord. I need a Christmas miracle or whatever. We want God to to remove us from the darkness. And God doesn't promise that because in this world, there is brokenness but Jesus is coming to do something about the brokenness. In this world, there is darkness, but Jesus is coming to do something in the midst of the darkness. More about that in a moment. And how, how did Jesus come as the life for all and the light of the world? Look at what it says in verse 14. The word became flesh And made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. This, friends, is the Christmas story. The Word became flesh. God became flesh. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son. And if you are a follower of Jesus, this is a cornerstone belief for those who believe in Jesus. Theologians call this idea of the word becoming flesh, the incarnation. The incarnation, God becoming flesh, taking on flesh, living the human life to identify with our humanity. That's why at Christmas time, some of the songs that we sing are very beautiful, but they also kind of have weird lyrics that you're like, I don't know exactly what I'm singing. I'm just believing that these are good lyrics right now. You know, uh, 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 in Excelsis Deo or something. I think I I know, but don't quiz me on it. Let's just keep moving on, right? Like we do that at Christmas time and we sing another classic, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and there's this beautiful but complex lyric. And it says this, hail the incarnate deity. This is a celebration. Hail the God who became flesh, the God who came to us in the midst of our darkness. And I want you to think about this when it comes to God. As you wrap your mind around the magnitude of the Christmas story, We who follow Jesus, we believe that God is self-sufficient. He is omnipresent. He is omnipotent. He is omniscient. God doesn't need anything except God chose. God chose to come to us even though he did not need to come to us. And the only reason why a great God would come to experience humanity and abandonment and pain and suffering and rejection is to reveal his great love for us and to reveal that he wants to be with us. This is beautiful. In fact, the famous theologian Karl Barth puts it this way, God does not will to be God without us. God doesn't want to be God without us. And so he came to us in the midst of darkness and we celebrate it. And again, my prayer for you is not that you would be in church, but that you wouldn't come all the way to church and still be far from the God who wants to be close to you, life-changing in a way that you cannot deny. We have seen his glory. We've experienced the Prince of Peace in our lives in the midst of the darkness that we find ourselves in. It's a celebration that God has come to us to be with us. And so we move from the poem of John in John chapter 1 to the story of Matthew's gospel in chapter 1 to describe how did God come to us. It's the Christmas story, Matthew chapter 1. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means, let's say it out loud together, God with us. This is God's plan and desire to come near to us. God became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is God with us. God could have, been all sufficient, could have shouted his love from heaven. Instead, he decided to show his love by becoming flesh and dwelling with us on earth. He didn't need to, but he wanted to. And the more we can wrap our minds around that God wants to be close to us, we will realize that this isn't just deeply theological, although it is, but it should be profoundly personal in every person's life that chooses to trust in Jesus. Have you experienced a God who undeniably has been with you in the midst of wherever you have found yourself? That's what God wants for you. Not that you get removed from it, not that you have to avoid it, but that he'll be with you in the midst of it. Back to John chapter 1 verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. You see, the message of Christmas is not just for those who don't believe to choose to believe. The message of Christmas is for those who do believe to continue to believe and to continue to invite God into whatever darkness they find themselves in. Can I get an amen from somebody? This is for all of us and all of us are invited. Again, magi, shepherds, Mary, wherever you find yourself, you're invited to encounter and experience this light in the midst of the darkness. So what I would like to do today, tonight, is as we think about the magnitude of God coming and and changing our lives by saving us and walking with us, I want to talk about three dark places, if you will, kind of metaphorically, that you may have found yourself in in this new year. Not geographically, but internally or personally. And this can be true if you don't believe in Jesus, and this can be true if you do. Because Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. He says, I've overcome the world. And he wants us to invite him in or in again to these places that we find ourselves in. So three, three dark places this holiday season. God is with us in the valley. God is with us in the wilderness. And God is with us in the storm. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness hasn't overcome it the light shines. Let's start with in the valley. You know, it's one thing to, to believe that God is with us on the mountaintop, right? You know, when things are good, when, when the kids are actually sleeping through the night and you're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I just feel so blessed right now. You know, and that's phenomenal. Uh, when When you actually get the promotion, you're like, oh, thank you, Jesus, I'm blessed. Or or when you meet the right person, you're like, yes, yes. And these are these mountaintop moments. And, And it's true, God is the God of the mountaintop. You can find God in the midst of good things, but God is also the God of the valley. When you're not meeting who you wish you would meet, when you didn't get the health Report that you were hoping for when you are at this place. Where is is the valley? The valley is when you're at a low point in life. Think about it a valley, the lowest point. And perhaps you're here tonight and you say, Brian, I'm in church. But as I look back over this past year, I wasn't expecting to find myself at this low point. And again, this doesn't mean you believe or don't believe in Jesus, this is just life. I had so many meetings with so many people that were just like, I just, I didn't, I didn't see this coming. And you need to know or be reminded again that all throughout scripture, the very God that came as a baby wants to meet you wherever you are because the scriptures are full of telling us that he is close to the brokenhearted. He is near those whose spirits are crushed. Even if you didn't grow up in church, you've probably heard Psalm 23 Though I walk through the what? The valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are what? With me. Do you know him like that? That's why he came. That's why Christmas happened. So that we would not be far from the very God who wants us to be close and experience him. Psalm 3 verse 3 says this. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me. My glory and the lifter of my head. What happens when we're in the lowest point in the valley? He is the lifter of our head. How many of you have a, you don't have to raise your hand, but you, you know this. You've experienced God lifting your head at a low point in life. Or perhaps you would say, Brian, I'm not really at the lowest point of life, but if I'm doing some inventory on my life, I've just found myself drifting I'm just wandering. And you would identify with being in the wilderness. God is with us in the wilderness. What does it mean to be in the wilderness when you're wandering through life? Or you're like, I don't know really how I got here. Maybe you think about your relationship with God or even the church. Some of you are back in church for the first time in such a long time. And you're like, I don't, I don't really know how I drifted. Maybe it was COVID. Maybe it was politics. Maybe it was people. Maybe it was all of it. You know, like I, I just, all I know is that I've, I kind of am here, but I feel so far from where I used to be. And you feel like you've drifted. You need to know that God is with us wherever you are, even if you've wandered far. I love Psalm 107. It says this, where can I go from your spirit? If I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. I love that phrase, even there. And I have people tell me this, Brian, you have no idea how I ended up here. Like I'm, who, and here is really way over there. And you're like, I, I don't know how it happened, but you need to know this. Even there, your hand will guide me. When we're in the valley, he's the lifter of our head. When we're wandering in the wilderness, he's there with us to be our guide. And you are invited to come and experience a God who wants to be with you in whatever darkness you find yourself. Maybe it's not a a valley. Maybe it's not, you know, a wilderness. Maybe it's just more like like in the middle of a storm, in the middle of chaos. You need to know that God is with us in the storm. What's a storm? It's not the valley. It's not that you wandered. It's just kind of life, right? The chaos of life. You know, I'm just saying this as a parent. My kids are right here on the front row. If you are a parent, you are in the chaos of life. Like, this is just how it happens. You're like, this is just how we roll. It's It's a whirlwind. And you're like, oh, this is fun. I'm scared. You know, I'm not sure how this works. Right? It's like that roller coaster that you you like chose to go on. And then you're like, why are we here? Ah! And you're like, you know, laughing and crying. Other things are happening. But like, it's just, it's just happening. But listen, uh, maybe, you know, we just had this storm. I'm so glad that we didn't cancel services. But um, do you guys remember, for those of you that were around, do you remember the storm during the commute in 2018? Anybody remember that? Was anybody in the commute in 2018? Okay, a few of you. If you don't remember this, this is what happened. This last, this ice storm that we just had, they at least called it, right? They're like, hey, just so you know, Isa McGeddon is coming or whatever they called it, right? Um, And so we were kind of able to prepare for it. In 2018, the weather forecast that day was like, hello, yay! yay. Like that was, that's all they said. That's all. And we're like, okay, we're going to work. We're doing our thing. And then at five o'clock, it was like the clouds enclosed the city of Portland. And like all of a sudden, right during the commute, snow came and you're like, what, what? And everyone's trying to get home, except everyone's trying to get home. And we're spinning off the roads and our kids, do you guys remember this? I don't want to trigger anyone, but our kids were stuck at school and we're like, give me my kids. And the school's like, we can't give you your kids. You're like, like, bet me, right? And then all of a sudden, some of you very Christian people acted very unChristian, right? And you're like, we're going to the school. We're taking our kids. And like, so now do you know what schools do? Again, some of you are out of this parenting stage of life. Let me just tell you what it's like. Now, like the schools are like, what? It's going to get like 34 degrees on Thursday. School's canceled. (laughs) School's canceled. Give them their kids. Give them their kids, right? But, But here's why I'm bringing this up. Because storms, it's not the low point in life. It's not, it's not wandering. Storms, like the storm of 2018, is where you find yourself and you're like, I didn't choose this. I didn't create this. I couldn't have prepared for this. But here I am in this. And you need to know that in the chaos of life, whether it's something that happened to you or somebody did something to you, or it's just life, Do you know that God wants to be with you in a profoundly personal way? Do you want to know that he wants to forgive you of your sins and give you a life that does not remove you from darkness, but where he meets you right in the midst of it as he redeems and restores even the dark and broken things? Jesus wants to be that for you. This is the Christmas story that he came to give you this kind of peace. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. This is what the Christmas story, the magnitude of the story is all about. God became flesh because he wants to be close to you. But you know this, invitations have to be received. Just because somebody wants something, it's a two-way street. And so whether you're in the valley or in the wilderness or in the storm, Jesus came to say, come all who are weary and I will give you rest. My prayer for you is not that you would sing some Christmas songs, I'm so glad that you're here, even if this is all that you do, and we'll see you at Easter, or we'll see you next Christmas. I love, I love that kids are home visiting their families. Students are back from college. But not that you would just go through the tradition, but that you would encounter a God that desires to be encountered. That it would be profoundly personal. And that's what I love with the people who, who are leaning in during the season, this hard season. This year I've been able to, to talk to and witness stories of people who are not perfect, who have not figured it all, who, who are in the valley or the storm or, or the wilderness, but they're leaning in and they're experiencing a God who wants to be close. So I want to share with you the, the story of, of Cassandra, who we showed this story at our vision night, but I wanted to make sure everybody could see it. Somebody who just found herself, like the rest of us, in valleys and storms and wildernesses, but leaned in and experienced a God who would meet her right where she's at. So let's watch this together.
0: I was so lost. I was so just down. And like that pit in my stomach just lived there. And I thought, I shouldn't be like this. I have two amazing kids. I have a wonderful husband, I I live in a fantastic area, and yet something was missing. My mom was always Christian, but we didn't go to church, and we didn't really talk about God, but my dad was more spiritual, so he would teach me all these different sorts of, of ideas like Buddhism and Plato and Socrates and kind of these ancient theories of the world. Like I always wanted to find truth. But the more I looked for it in the new age, the more I just found desperation and emptiness. And it's the kind of loneliness that's very hard to deal with. So in response, I just became uh, depressed, anxious, angry, frustrated. I was in a really dark place. I was trying to be a better mom to my kids because before I found myself angry and frustrated and I was yelling a lot and I I just hated the mo- the mother that I was to them. So I thought, okay, I need to do some something good for them. So I told myself, I'm going to read to my son at night. So one of the first books I started reading to him was The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And every time the lion would appear on the page, I would get this really strange feeling. And it was like... It, so, it became so predictable. It was every time the lion uh, spoke or appeared on the page and I would read it out loud, I would get this feeling in my chest, like a warmth, but also like a little pulse inside, like a, you know? And it happened so often, I thought there has to be something to this. Like, this is weird. The whole idea that God could be actually this this person who's invested in me and knows me and is watching me, that just shook me to my core. And I said, I need to know more about this because that makes sense to me. And at that point, I, I couldn't just walk into a church because I felt like an invader. Like I should not be here. I, I, I don't know what to do, but I just want to learn more. So that's when I met with Mary at the coffee shop. I was telling her about my issues with my emotions and being angry and frustrated a lot of the time and being depressed. And she told me that that we're not meant to do things on our own, that we have someone there to help us. It was after a night of anger and frustration and rage. And after not being a great mom, yelling at my kids, that I prayed with faith, believing in Jesus for the first time. I just desperate. I desperately needed help, and I cried myself to sleep that night. But right before, right before I went to sleep, I remember feeling that just this peace come over me, and it was so peaceful. It's like for the first time ever, my brain stopped thinking. And I also remember feeling this embrace, like a warmth. And I just knew that He was there, like He was right there. Somehow, this was God making Himself known to me. This was Jesus showing me what it was like to be in His presence, truly. Just a little bit, maybe a little taste, but it was enough for me. I needed to come to church as much as possible and get involved as much as possible. So that's when I started um, going to the services, loved it, loved Brian, loved the music. It was so inspiring to me. I just couldn't wait to come back every Sunday. And I decided to get baptized and Brian was the one who baptized me um, during the baptisms and barbecues. And that was so much fun. Now I know, because the moment that I walked up to church and I was greeted with such friendly faces and everyone was really happy to see me, they didn't know who I was, but it's just something about the people here that's different. It's like a whole new identity for me. It's like a whole new life. It's like there was my old life, and now there's this life, and I, I love it, and I'm so thankful.
1: Give me a clap for Cassandra and her story. You know, sometimes God comes to us and meets us through a story, a C.S. Lewis book, Chronicles of Narnia, just right where she was. Sometimes God will use a Christmas Eve service right where we are because he longs for you to not just observe a holiday or to participate in a tradition, but to encounter the one who came to save you to be with you, to walk forward with you. Cassandra would tell you, things are not perfect. It didn't go from darkness to all the light. But there is a reality of God meeting us right where we are. And we walk by faith, step by step, trusting him each step of the way. So if you're a a child in this room, maybe you're under the age of 12 and you're here with your parents, I just want you to know that Jesus sees you. He loves you. He doesn't want you to just carry the faith of your parents. He wants you to experience him too. If you're in junior high, middle school, high school, and you're just like, I don't know, man. There's just so much stuff out there. I get it. But I just want you to know that God doesn't want to be your religion. Jesus wants to be your savior. And he will be with you in whatever dark place you find yourself in. Maybe you're in college and you're here for the holidays and man, talk about a whirlwind. Like going to church isn't even really an option. I mean, I guess it is, but man, that is a rare occurrence. But God had you come here to at least get your attention to know that if you are ever ready, he is. Because this is the story of Christmas. He didn't need to, but he wanted to because he loves you and because he sees you wherever you are. If you're a single person just wandering through life and you're just trying to figure out life, you are not alone. If you're a married couple and you're raising kids or trying to have kids, 10 years of infertility, three miscarriages, my wife and I know what it's like to be together and still feel so alone. This is a God who will come to you wherever you are. And maybe you're getting up in age. Maybe you're not sure how retirement's gonna work. Maybe you're not sure and you're just trying to hold on and you have nothing in control. I want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you larger than this life. And he is trustworthy and he is faithful and he's true. Because who is he? He is God with us. He is Emmanuel, God with us and he's with us always. This is God's promise to you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Wherever you are and wherever you find yourself, God is with us always. So come from wherever you are in whatever condition that you're in to encounter and participate in the work that God is doing. You are invited. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing Silent Night. We're going to light candles because that is tradition. And I'm all about this tradition. I love this tradition. In fact, some of you would say, Brian, the only reason I'm here is for that tradition. And I totally get it. I love, love, love this tradition. We're going to light your candles in just a moment and you'll stand and we'll sing and it'll be beautiful. But maybe, track with me here. Young and old, maybe this might be something different for you personally. That when your candle is lit, it's not just tradition. But that you are recognizing that that there are people all around you. And even though we're all on our journeys, God has invited us together to walk together. And perhaps you would say, Brian, I want this candle that's being lit to represent a new beginning in my life. I want Jesus to be my Lord. I want Jesus to be my Savior. Maybe you already believe, but you're just honest. You're like, I believe, but I'm far. The disciples of Jesus believed and they were far and Jesus came to them too. And maybe you would say, Brian, I already believe, but I want this to be a moment where I am going to make room for God to be with me wherever I am. And so that's the invitation to you. Maybe you can tell somebody, maybe you would like prayer if so. We will have people at the front. Maybe you just need someone to pray for you. But that's a an opportunity. It's not an obligation. At the end of the day, the question is how will you respond to the invitation of God? And I pray that it will be profoundly personal. So let's stand together. The ushers are going to light the candles and let's sing a very meaningful song of silence.